Welcome back to Callum and David's Any Requests podcast. This is, of course, our weekly podcast where you, the listener, can donate £5 a month via Patreon and get us to do a podcast on absolutely anything you want. You are entirely correct, David. And this week we're returning to the much-loved situation comedy drama Moonlighting. We are indeed. This is uh, Sylvan's recurring request. And uh, as we mentioned last week... uh, Sylvan was starting to get a bit perturbed by the fact that we were doing a lot of research into which episodes to watch in terms of making sure you're watching like the most critically yeah. acclaimed best and then going it's a great series which I think is yeah perhaps slightly unfair um yeah of us to do that he felt that there were more comparisons with Jonathan Creek other than uh, the fact that um uh Sylvan um Sybil's uh, character is is called Maddie. Yeah. Um, also, some of the storylines can be a bit weak and yeah. not really make that much sense. And uh, we haven't really discovered that so far no. because we've been watching all the best critically all the best acclaimed ones. ones. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and specifically episodes that don't don't have like a procedural crime yeah. portion to them. Like we've been choosing very avant garde standalone episodes that play with form and structure, which is lovely, but probably not an overall like example of what the majority of the show was so quite right Sylvan. thanks for calling us out absolutely um, today we revisited we well we visited uh for the first time the episode season two episode three uh episode five episode five yeah. uh called my fair david my fair yeah so this was uh specifically what Sylvan asked for this time right uh, and uh suggested uh that it was yeah he said uh not not one of the best probably not one of the worst either um but kind of yeah a, a sort of more uh, generic middling kind of episode that was maybe more uh, commonplace in the whole canon of, of Moonlighting. Which I think is, is is quite fair and I think that um, this episode is pretty commonplace not just in the world of Moonlighting but in the world of kind of comedy drama and police procedurals. It's kind yeah. of quite middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 so uh, and so it does have faults. There are yeah. problems with it, and we'll get into them as we go along. However, I was really encouraged by the fact that its uh, title, "My Fair David," immediately made me think it was going to be another musical episode. <laughs> yeah, um, and it wasn't. Although there were lots of references to yeah. Bruce Willis singing. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's not a musical episode, and yet Bruce Willis sings two different songs in it. Yeah, um, and there's yeah. a whole weird subplot of him. Uh, kind of appropriating black culture yeah. and African-American popular culture and Afro-Caribbean culture. And he even kind of calls that out at one point, yeah. which is a bit of a weird kind of surreal moment. Um, but yeah, I, I was quite encouraged. I thought, well, I'll ask you, what did you think the episode was going to be about, uh, given the title My Fair David? Um, I, I thought it was going to be obviously linked in some way to the plot of My Fair Lady or Pygmalion. Yeah. So I assumed it was going to be more some kind of thing where David had to have, like, a makeover. Right. Um, to, like, go undercover and, and in some sort of scenario that he'd be totally alien in. That's right. sort of what I was imagining. Yeah, I, I actually was closer to the, to the plot in the sense that I thought it, he was going to have to 
change who he was a little bit more mm-hmm. um and ultimately the 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 charm of who david is would win out and it yeah. kind of was that pretty much yeah um but i didn't know how they were going to do it um so there's a cold open um yeah. is it a cold open actually uh, no, no, no no it no, isn't strictly it's not. it just feels like it is it, yeah it, it's the structure of a cold open but, but it's after actually the after credits. the credits yeah um uh just before we just before we start on this episode i just want to ask you you know we're recording, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why is it called Moonlighting? Because I thought about this watching it this evening. And mm. I thought, because they're not. They're not Moonlighting. No. Like, I know it's called Moonlight Agency, but I thought... No, it's called Blue Moon Agency. Blue, Blue Moon Agency, rather. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was like, oh, well, it's, it's a double thing about Blue Moon. And they also moonlight. So I was like, no, but they don't mean that's no, their main don't. and only job. I feel like if you're a detective and mm. you're just on your salary you're often to make extra money they will work as private investigators to earn extra money yeah and i feel like that may be what bruce willis's entry into the blue moon agency was but i don't think that is true that certainly has never been discussed no in all the episodes we've seen and And uh, we've seen the pilot haven't we and it wasn't mentioned uh no we haven't seen the pilot oh okay Um, maybe we'll go back then but um yeah and and i know that she um maddie's character was like a, a model yeah, that got in trouble financially and lost everything except for this entry that she owned as one of a million tax write-offs because she right. was a famous model and fashion person. So she was um, kind of forced so she's into... moved into another career, but that's not the same, is it? As moonlighting? No, I don't really know why it's called moonlighting. But there's I mean, blue moon. The word moon is in there as I a mean, connection. They should have other jobs because I don't think they make any money from this agency, and they seemingly in this episode employ quite a lot of people i never realized how many people they employ until they brought in all these extras for this one episode in order to kind of give it a plot device that's never had before yeah but ironically they do earn money in this episode for the first time ever um in the whole time that we've been watching the series so that's quite good yeah um but they also earn it through nefarious means so we'll see we'll see we'll see uh what you think as we go through the episode but yeah it opens on this kind of random dude in a dressing room mm. watching uh, a football game on TV. Yeah. And some heavies come in uh, and they say, you're late. Do you know what that means? Uh, we're going to have to do some damage. Mm-hmm. Um, what, we're going to break an arm, break a leg? And he's like, oh, hang on. We don't want to damage your talent now, do we? And then he punches him in the nose. And then we go, what should be to the credits? We've always had those. Yeah. So instead we go to um, WMN Agency. Yeah. where Bruce Willis is running a limbo competition in the middle of the office. Yeah, um, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about that opening uh, purely for the fact that for some reason it was underscored by the choral opening to You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Rolling Stones. Really <laughs> weird. <laughs> I thought it was going to be this really sombre, poignant kind of moment and then yeah. probably bookend, like musically, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, they'll bring that at the end there to make a little kind of, you know tie up the narrative never came back was never no. mentioned again no. never went into the actual song by the stones just that opening of the the choir boys singing that refrain and i don't really know what it was about i'm i have a guess though um yeah. at why i think that was used and it's very tenuous link mm-hmm. 
but we'll come to that and okay. see if it matches up. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, very sad, poignant moment over what is essentially a very stock scene that you've seen a thousand times in every James Cagney movie you've ever watched. Like it was, it was very James Cagney. I felt that. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I felt like it. Was that means you're better because you're but more kind of a film buff. James Cagney sort of yeah, um, gangster films. I think it, it was really well shot actually, but it felt very much like. A scene from the 1940s could have had a little um, monologue like i don't know why i always end up in this trouble but i just can't help myself yeah. or i just gotta play the cards ah. you know it's, <laughs> that's, yeah that's, that's what exactly should have been it. happening that's it? exactly it um yeah uh so uh yeah the character's called uh clark Graydon that gets uh beat up by these heavies um because obviously he owes money to them uh played by an actor called robert joy um who i think is name most famous for um being in csi new york he's in 165 episodes so oh, done robert main, joy main cast member um yeah i think he was like the, i've only ever seen a couple of episodes of it but i i recognize him i think he was like the sort of quite weird socially awkward forensic scientist in the lab rather right. than one of the investigators i if i remember you can um, see that from where yeah. what his what he's playing in this and yeah. his kind of casting type you can imagine yeah. him in that um, kind of role and i also just wanted to shout out uh, one of the heavies played by erwin keys who is has been in like a million different things as a heavy like the minute he came right. in, i was like oh it's that dude um Don't, like, they, haven't yeah. they done that quite a few times yeah like the dude who in the glasses who was yeah he's yeah, one of those yeah. guys yeah yeah. uh oh richard belzer richard belzer there yeah. you are yeah yeah um which is, funnily enough we have been watching uh the wire we just finished it didn't we yes it was, indeed uh, re-watching for me watching for the first time for you blew my mind um, if you want to watch some good good tv just it's incredible and, i mean i know you all know this because it happened years ago but and, i'm watching um, it for the first time uh david simon of course uh before the wire um uh started out with uh, on uh, creating homicide life on the street the tv series with richard belzer with richard belzer playing the same character as he did in hill street blues and the botchko stuff and it's like one i think it's like the most used character across like different series ever wow um because it's like hundreds of episodes of all the botchko stuff but then yeah he did the david simon thing he's appeared like there's other series that aren't even connected that have him playing that character in it's really yeah really bizarre amazing um, yeah the one, i tell you the one that i do find really weird and i've never been able to find like a, a production connection but there must be one uh it must be the oh, it's not the same studio though but michael keaton <laughs> plays the character of Ray Nicolette in the George Clooney Jennifer Lopez film Out of Sight right and Jackie Brown and I don't That's know why those two films I think they're both based on uh, uh, Elmore Leonard oh the books. the novels yes the, uh, I know Jackie Brown was was uh, yeah adapted from Elmore Leonard I yeah, don't know anything about and I about... think Out of Sight might be um okay. Or James, was it James Elroy? I always get those two mixed up. James Elroy did uh, LA, LA Confidential. So I think it's Elmore Leonard. Not important. But anyway, other than... I think they're both... because They must be, because it's the same character. Yeah. So I think he appears in those two books, which are written by the same author. But I don't think the films are like connected in terms of studio or production or anything like that. So it's just a really okay. cool thing of going... 
it's this same character. Shall we just get that guy that was in that other film that's nothing to do with us to come and play him again? Very nice. That's that's a, a, a weird connection. None of this has anything to do with Moonlighting. Yeah. Um, but Callum and I have uh, not had a day off in weeks and we are uh, barely staying alive. Running right on now. fumes at the so, moment, um, yeah. This might be a tangential episode. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, we, we meet this... Uh, this guy we don't know anything about him other than the fact that there are some kind of he's in a dressing room so he must be some kind of performer there's a mention of him having a talent Mm -hmm. and 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 i thought oh that means they're not gonna hit him in the face but they did hit him in the face which is weird because normally it's fame and fortune is mentioned yes and and normally the line is not the face right and yes and sorry just to slightly correct you after that happens it doesn't go to the office i've just remembered it goes he's beaten up and then it goes immediately to him walking out on stage to reveal bruised to reveal that he's a concert pianist and he goes and sits down and plays some piano and then it goes again it should be the other way around we should we shouldn't have the reveal straight away in my opinion yeah yeah what do i know sorry will mckenzie director of this episode jarring structure yeah not the same Will Mackenzie that's the fictional character played by Simon Bird in The Inbetweeners. No, uh, and not Mackenzie McHale mentioned in the Aaron Talking series Newsroom, mm-hmm. uh, and not Will uh, McAvoy. Will McAvoy. In the newsroom. So I got very confused yeah. when I was trying to think about who Will Mackenzie was. Mm-hmm. There you are, Simon Bird in The Inbetweeners. Yeah. Anyway, moonlighting. So <laughs> we find out that he's a um, he's a concert pianist and he's yeah. extremely talented and he's very good. And he's very good at miming the piano. There's obviously a, a hand double in there, but he's kind of nodding away. Um, and uh, and then we do eventually go into the the Blue Moon Agency. It's not a hand double. No, no, it's a piano double. Oh right, so it's the same piano. hands, but a different. Yeah, it's a piano that's piano. designed that it um, sounds nice, even if you don't have to play. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, so we go to the Moonlighting Agency and we the limbo see that um, there's a limbo competition being run by Bruce Willis, and he is he, there's, they're playing the limbo song. Mm-hmm. They're using the coat stand, I think, uh, as a limbo. And all the staff are having a great deal of fun doing it. Bruce Willis has got his sunglasses on and is doing a kind of really inappropriate um, kind of Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean mm. accent. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the, the, the Chubby Checker uh, version and arrangement of the Limbo song specifically yeah. that they're doing. Um, Important, worth mentioning. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened to Limboing? Because I feel like a lot of stuff in the 80s yeah films tv shows it was like that was what you used to show fun yeah was that everyone has a limbo or a conga line those two things yeah i think have died out i don't know what you listeners think let us know yeah but, i mean um, my memories personally i remember um congas uh were were there but limbos were more popular especially mm-hmm. when i think of school discos in the 90s yeah um and then, really, limbos kind of went out of fashion when I went to secondary school, I would say, uh, on the kind of cusp of 2001, mm-hmm. 2002. I think it coincides really with the invasion of Iraq, to be honest. That's yeah. Really I, think so. I think that was the moment where limbo yeah. changed in American culture yeah. and therefore over here as well. But it's funny because it's not, it's not kind of been kind of uh, completely derided, but it's sort of not popular anymore as well. So it's kind of in this... It's in this state. I don't know what you'd call like it. Like in between things, mm, when yeah, it's, it's not one it's in, oh, or the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, purgatory. Purgatory. Yeah, of course. Um, and so they're doing this ridiculous limbo, and then 
Sybil comes in. Sybil? Um, Sybil? Sybil? Sybil Palti comes in. Yeah, they just... Well, it's interesting because that is a studio link because yes. obviously it was written and produced by the same guys who made 40 Towers. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, John Cleese. Yeah. Um, uh, Sybil Shepherd comes in and she's very annoyed with Bruce Willis, which you've seen a thousand times. And, oh, I'm very annoyed. And Some um, of my mum's family actually ran a hotel in Torquay. Did they? Yeah. Wow. Not well, I mean, lots of people do. Not the same one, you know, yeah. it's a famous destination. That's why it was set in Turkey. It was because it, it's yeah. A... Lots of people do, but lots of people don't. This <laughs> is true. More people don't than do. That, I can't argue with that logic. Unless You're absolutely right. Unless there's like five billion hotels in Turkey. In Turkey, there are quite a lot. This is a follow-up single with Katie Melua. Yeah, yeah. So nine million five, five million hotels. In, in Torquay. Torquay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I spent quite a lot of time in Torquay as a kid. and tell you a lot about the English Riviera. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, so... This is what you asked for, Sylvan. This is what you asked for. It's all about Torquay. But we're trying to get back to moonlighting. Sybil Shepherd comes in. She's really annoyed. They have lots of fast-paced dialogue. Rah, 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 which is impressive and skillful when you haven't seen it a hundred times. I think it mm-hmm. does start to fade a little bit. But then also because it is skillful, it's charming. Yeah. Um, uh, and it is very good. It's super fast dialogue delivery, machine gun fire. And she very kind of uh, uh, angrily expresses that she wants this limbo party to be broken up and she wants Bruce Willis to start taking himself seriously. And she berates him uh, in his office saying that he's a child, he has no maturity yeah. and the agency are running into trouble financially and they need him. she needs him as a business partner to take some responsibility. Now, I find her intentions slightly muddled in mm-hmm. this episode because I'm I don't necessarily think this is the same thing in terms of are you annoyed at him for kind of being like boisterous and flirtatious and 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 not taking things seriously. Or are you annoyed at him for being too nice to fire the people you need to fire? Because I don't think those... I think no. those are different facets of his personality. I don't think that's all one and the same thing. And I and I thought she started off being annoyed about the former. But then when she explained her reasons for why she was annoyed, which is, as you say, mm-hmm. they're having financial difficulty, he needs to be a boss and fire people. I was like, oh, I thought you were annoyed at just him being a bit of an ass, But uh, yeah. you seem to be annoyed at... The, actually that he's too nice and that i got a bit confused about what her actual objective was i think you're right but i'm uh it is muddled but i'm kind of tentative to criticize it for that Mm. because i actually think it's quite realistic that's true because people get annoyed at your frivolity but that's not a material thing to get annoyed about because it's a personality trait yeah so she went and when forced to explain herself she says oh well for example Mm. I think I need you to take this decision and fire these people and actually be the bad guy for once. Yeah. Uh, this is therefore a business thing which makes it legitimate. Whereas mm. before, actually, I'm kind of annoyed at you for making me look like the serious, boring person. But that's not enough of a reason in a business to have that issue. And I think that I've seen that happen loads of times mm-hmm. um, uh, in you know different relationships. People get annoyed at having to be the the responsible one and you get to go and have all the fun and parents have it all the time you know or you get to be fun dad while i'm you know actually doing all the Mm -hmm. all the uh the important stuff at home um so yeah i think it was kind of that and i think that's why it was muddled but it could have been written a little bit better i think it wasn't much time spent on on that nuance 
um, there. But yeah, credit to them. There, there is a realistic kind of nature there. Uh, so she has a go at him. Um, and eventually they start, they, they agree on a wager mm. where she says, if you can't act like a mature adult for two weeks straight, uh, then you have to fire um, these two employees. Yeah. Which they're suddenly very set on that mm. those two employees are yeah. going to be fired. Yeah. So then it becomes, like you say, a muddled conversation about who who has to fire them. Yeah. I'm like, well, are you definitely going to fire them? Because I don't think you <laughs> yeah. were until you were annoyed about this situation. Yeah. Which means that you're now actually firing two people and that, to cover up the fact that you fancy your colleague. And I think that is... I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's confirmed at the end of this episode talk about that again mm-hmm. but i think what happens at the end of the episode absolutely justifies your reading yeah. of that because yeah. that's clearly what the what it is rather than that they actually are in any need to fire people i don't think they are no, i, don't I think, think it's her covering they, up the fact that she's in love spoiler with they don't yeah okay yeah <laughs> okay. spoiler alert that is the main um, so that is the main plot line it is um so yes so yeah so this rager and and if uh sybil shepherd uh playing the part of uh, Madeline Hayes. Um, if she loses, then she has to do a limbo in the yeah. office in front of everyone. Yeah, which, to be honest, isn't the worst thing in the world. No. The stakes... Are, uh, but also, the, the, but he gets $3,000 if he's if he's right. We haven't mentioned that, have we? Yeah. $3,000 is the prize if he manages to maintain adult maturity for two weeks, including yeah. no singing yeah. or so much as a doo-wop. So he's got quite a lot to gain by this. Yeah. It's three grand in the 80s, a lot yeah. of money. And she's got kind of nothing to lose. No. But he agrees to the bet anyway. Yeah. Um, and off they uh, kind of go. But before they um, uh, embark on the next case, the next case actually walks into the office. Yes. Uh, uh, the stepmother of the gentleman we met at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Graydon, played by Barbara Bain. She's great. She's great. She, uh, her, probably most famous for being in the original Mission Impossible TV series in the oh. late 60s. She won an Emmy for it and a Golden Globe as well for that performance. Nice. Um, she was also in the dreadful Space 1999, which was a late 60s, early 70s sci-fi TV series. Oh. It was awful. Like, sets falling down and things like that brilliant but it's great yeah well now i want i've never seen it but now i want to yeah someone get a request in for that and we'll we'll do space mm. 1999 okay yeah all right why 2001 1999 mm. is such it's just way too early Pe- i know it's yeah. easy for us to say yeah I know. but i wouldn't be like 20 40 2065 like it's not that far enough away i know but i think it's because of the millennium right that that was this huge millennium bug this huge idea that no one had kind of obviously lived through because the last one was a thousand years previously so i think in the 20th century mid 20th century there was a lot of this kind of mystery around but i think back then even even thinking about it in 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 the 90s you know as a kid like it it felt like really futuristic thinking about the year 2000 mm. was like oh, but or every single number in the year that you write at the school is going to change yeah all the all the 19s disappearing like that and so it did feel like this big yeah and shift. we were told that that all the uh, digital systems weren't going to be able to cope and the robots were going to malfunction and take over the world 
uh, which they of course have done, not through malfunctioning, but through carefully tweaking of uh, absolutely oligarchs and billionaires all over the world. Um, but there, there you are. Um, Do you think, right? <laughs> if the Millennium Bug had had happened, yeah. Do you think it, the fallout from that would be worse than COVID? It's difficult to say mm. because there were so many variations of what could have happened with the Millennium mm-hmm. Bug, whether it was, you know, computers waking up and murdering civilians mm-hmm. or whether it was just that banks were going to crash mm. or, like, it, it was just kind of general uh, the end is nigh nonsense from, yeah. you know, people talking about the rapture. and Yeah. Uh, I, 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 whereas COVID w- is quite tangible of there's a disease this is how it affects you oh yeah you're right this is how it's affecting us we're learning more about it we're gonna have to work inside so no i don't but it's fictional isn't it we're basing Mm -hmm. it on the fictional ideas of crazed Mm -hmm. individuals with no evidence uh worrying about the millennium bug whereas this is an actual bug i mean i think it, it, it was more than that wasn't it when i thought they were like legitimate scientists being like we don't actually know because these computers have aren't designed to deal with this number change yeah but they spent time preparing the machines to deal with the number change um and i don't think they i don't think legitimate scientists were worried about computers taking out like malfunctioning and creating ai on their own and uh and marching the earth uh tim berners lee i know you're a listener so get in touch get in touch know. yeah and tell us how your free internet's going as well yeah. for those of you who aren't aware tim Berners-Lee started a free internet where no advertising or data capture can take place you can search freely without anyone using the internet to sell you things if you're interested in that check it out um i think that's enough for our podcast on uh <laughs> futuristic <laughs> fiction um, sorry yeah um, this is terrible uh but i mean this is the best you're gonna get from us uh, yeah. um, i'm afraid uh so yes um Mrs. Graydon comes in and uh, says all of a worry, her, all of a worry uh, that her stepson has been kidnapped mm-hmm. um, and that there's been a ransom note, and she wants to hire them to try and negotiate the price down. <laughs> yeah, she's like in, super cold in classic. Um, oh, what was his name? The the millionaire, the billionaire whose grandson got kidnapped, and then he was like, not gonna pay it. There's been oh, there was yeah. a film, there was a yeah. TV series at the same time. Um, oh, the, Getty. Yes, yeah. Getty. Paul Getty. Yeah, Getty. Um, yeah, that was we never finished that series. There was a series starring no. the late Christopher Plummer. I forgot he died. You think everyone's dead, but hit, but people who and are that was dead. Really recent. <laughs> that was like weeks ago. You can't see David's face right now, but he's broken. I, I forgot Absolutely. he died. It is very sad. I forgot um, he died. Anyway, yeah, it's a good series. Um, so so she walks in she's very cold says she's going to negotiate down uh, because he she knows he's a gambler this is what he does she says oh he was born with talent he didn't work for that yes he's a concert pianist but he squanders all his money to the point I actually think he likes losing it's a very weird relationship we have however of course I'm going to pay the £400,000 if it gets to that but I want you to negotiate it down and I'm going to give you a dollar for every dollar two dollars that you save me um, in terms of negotiating it down so off they go to the kidnappers. Uh, they Bruce Willis says, "Sybil, stay in the car." He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's called her Maddie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, either or, as you know, with our podcasts, we constantly change character and actor names. Yeah. Um, and they're quibbling on the way, aren't they? Having a good old argument yeah. in the car, and she's kind of annoyed 
that he's not teasing her or making dodgy puns or jokes yeah. or being generally a, a silly person. Yeah. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? You've made me be all serious. You've yeah. made me be, talk sternly to the staff. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, you know, pretty, pretty upsetting. Um, but I'm doing what you told me and maybe you're right. And she says, oh, well, I, I missed the, 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 um, the old David. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the end of that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) What's so funny about that? I just watched you die midway through explaining what that conversation was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... (laughs) They, um, and yeah, uh, turn up to, um, find the kidnappers and then the person they assume is the kidnapper just runs off and they give chase and then eventually run him down and uh, turns the point yeah, of the kidnapper they run him over, over which I don't yeah. think is okay either. No. But um, they run him over, luckily yeah. he's okay. Yeah, and he is not the kidnapper. He's actually... The kidnappee? Yeah, he is Clark Graydon himself. Clark Graydon napped by himself. And I found it odd because Maddie and David, when he turned over, reacted like, oh, what? It's it. But I was like, you, you've... I don't think she showed you a picture of what he looked like. No, she? I think she did. Okay. I think she did give him a picture uh, in the okay. office. That makes um, sense then. Because I did that and I... So I was like, oh, they're having the reaction of the audience rather than the reaction that they would have. (laughs) But okay, if they saw a picture like that. I think they did. And one thing I would say is great about this episode is the attention to detail on Clark's bruised nose. Mm. It's the makeup so realistic. It's very good. Of like how uh, a broken kind of nose bruises across your face and then fades slowly over Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very Mm -hmm. like... Anyway, they um, have a chat with him. They do. They're sat around the piano. They're sat around the piano in an abandoned theatre. I'm like, yeah. I don't think... Yeah. Is I it don't... the same abandoned theatre yeah. as the other episode we watched, Red Lighting, where they were in an abandoned theatre and there was a piano? There? Yes, I think yeah. it is. Okay. Uh, that same... Split. Well, it's all shot in LA, so it's, yeah. you know, these are quite a lot of disused theatres. But um, anyway, he's there, and he does this weird Bill Bailey-esque comedy routine yep. where he tries to pitch them... In, uh, an idea instead of shopping so, him sorry, yeah, so, to yeah, his so mother. We should just say very quickly, he explains that what happened is he faked yeah. the kidnapping to try and extort his stepmom. Because that was easier than asking her for money again because yeah. of the shame yeah. uh, he feels asking her for money. Because not only does he know that she doesn't really love him, she's still always done good by him, mm-hmm. uh, looked after him, even though you know she wasn't his natural yeah. son and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, he says, "Why? But I can't handle the shame of this. So don't tell my my stepmom. Yeah. Instead, tell her you negotiated it down. You yeah. get a load of cash out of it. I get to pay off the the you know bad guys. Um, and then every it's a win win situation. Yeah. And they kind of um and are about it. But Bruce Willis eventually kind of convinces uh Maddie to to go for it. Yeah. And so they Maybe. do. Yeah. We cut to them coming out of the office and Maddie goes, oh, I can't believe we did that. Oh, David, yeah. I can't believe we did that. When he says, what? She says, oh, I've, I've never lied before and I feel dreadful mm-hmm. about it. And he says, well, put it this way. We just made £50,000. Yeah. You know, you said we were in financial trouble. This is the answer to all our problems. 
Now, of course, since that, they've had a conversation where she said, I miss the old David, right? Yeah. So he's being a little bit more silly now. He's yeah. singing um, little bits and bobs and, and decides to then tell the staff. Yeah. So, yeah. So we then cut to an almost identical limbo party. Yeah. I don't know why we had to, to watch the, the whole thing again. To the point of, I was about to turn to you and say, has this screwed up and it's gone like back? Right, because yeah. it was shot for like, shot. This is the same. We've watched this. Yeah. Um. So the same limbo thing. Um. Uh. And and again, Maddie comes in. Uh. To spoil the fun, very angry, and asks to David in her office. And I was confused by the fact that he was confused that she was now basically saying that. Well, how are you going to find? Like, you've got to go and find these people. I was yeah. like, I don't understand why he's confused because he's clearly just lost the bet. And I don't know why he thinks he hasn't lost the bet. Because yeah. he did the exact thing that meant that the bet happened in the first place. So the bet's there's, over, There's right? no grey area with what he did. He literally did the thing that made her put the wager on the table. Yeah. So I don't know why he's why he's surprised at the fact that she's saying that the bet's over. No. But I didn't really get that. But... Because he's so shocked. He's like, wait, what? No, why? How come the bet's over? I was like, because you've because just done the how... thing that you... She got annoyed at last time. How exactly. Time and shot works. Shot the same. You, yeah. You're just forgetting that the past is a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Short term memory loss. Very odd and quite unlike David as well because yeah. he's quite, you know, smart. Yeah. Um. And but then but then she says, which is weirder, when he says, "Well, the bet's over." Then she says, "Well, not necessarily." I was like, "Right, okay." Neither of you seem to understand the rules of this wager because he's just broken it. Yeah. Bets off. Over. He needs to go find them. That's it you're not going to respect the wager yeah then how can you respect yourselves i mean okay um, right i think you, yeah. if you i mean i didn't realize that you mm. felt there was so much honor in a in a casual bet between well, colleagues. I, I do gentlemen's agreements especially yeah you've got a good point um so <laughs> one pound one pound so uh yeah they then um have this chat about and, and maddie's like well you know It'll be if if you go out there and be a serious boss, then yeah, then then we can still keep the wager on. And yeah. I was like, right, well, that I mean, okay, fine. We're just we're just uh, doing what, doing this. what we want. No we integrity wager now. Okay, they haven't checked the rule book. No, they haven't checked the rule book. Out the window, um, exactly. So yeah, so he goes out <laughs> and um tells everyone off. Yeah, and says that in front of everyone, and yeah, it's and very weird. And is is also. <laughs> With such, with such ease, and so yeah. that's what I was like. Well, okay, so it's not that you can't do this. You don't want to. You don't want to. Yeah. But now I, I don't quite know why you don't want to because you don't seem to be that bothered about having to do this. It's not difficult for you. No. And I was like, it's just because Bruce Willis can't really play conflicted, can he? It's a I, bit of a stretch. I think. I think that's hey. I mean, he's a very point, good actor. At this point in his career, yes, he's he's a he's a regular actor, and he got better and better. And if you look at him, for example, in Twelve Monkeys, he's amazing, and lots of other things. As well. but, but you're right, there's unbreakable, he, he's fantastic. He's a great like he's a great worker in like wrestling terms. Right, yeah. we talk about the fact that he's a great worker. He's got great skill, ability. You know, obviously a very sharp brain, great work ethic, turning out some great stuff. But depth and nuance isn't necessarily what he's been required to do so far, certainly in Moonlighting. Um, and, well, this is his first break, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, we're not quite seeing that conflict being played there. Maybe it just wasn't in Will McKenzie's direction either. Well, 
it's funny you should say that because I think this is an issue with the whole episode, uh, especially this story arc in the episode of, of the wager, is at both both him and Sybil Shepherd, who we've talked about being phenomenal actors in the last Moonlighting one we did, so it's it's not. I think this might be true of this episode more than of them as as performers, but um, there isn't a lot of like through lines in their emotional changes yeah. and there's not a lot of like building on changing a, a feeling or an opinion or an emotion about each other it's mm-hmm. like one scene they feel this way and the next scene they feel that way and then they change their mind again and feel that way and it's it feels very stock and yeah. so may, may, maybe it, that is the the direction of this particular episode i don't know but yeah and also, you never, you know, we always talk about how things are often shot out of sequence. And so you, mm-hmm. you really need a script editor and a director to be on, uh, really on it in terms of guiding yeah. the actors through where they are at a yeah. point in their emotional journey and where they are in the timeline, right? Um, especially with the speed with which an episode of Moonlighting is going to be filmed and made. Yeah. Um, so maybe there were lots of reasons for that rather than just the performers themselves, as you have quietly point, quite rightly yeah. pointed out there. Um, very capable of that. So, yeah, so the next day, Sybil walks in, yeah? Comes in to the office and tries to talk to Agnes. That's all! She does. <laughs> and Agnes is just completely blanking her. Like, to the point where I'm like, you're fired. You're, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you're the least important person in this business. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't um, think you can get away with this. So, so Maddie's getting more and more annoyed to the point of actually she kind of raises her voice to Agnes and Agnes just looks up and goes, I don't think I like you anymore. So, wow. Great line. Wow. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of looks around and everyone's sort of looking at her like that and she says, what, what have you, why? And Agnes says, you de-daved him. Yeah. Which is a great line. And she's like, what do you think you de-daved him? You took away all his essence and fun and everything like that and now he's just like any other Tom, Dave, or Harry. She says. <laughs> There's um, a lot of wordplay in the writing of this episode. Yeah. Questionably too much, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very smart script. Yeah, so then Maddie decides to say, no, I can be fun too. Hey, yeah. you know, which is weird because she's saying, don't be fun, don't it's be a business. Okay. And then yeah. is now hell-bent on this making them laugh with bad I, jokes. This is kind of what I mean. But there's no playing a change of heart there's no playing a a a through line kind of logically about why she's now thinking differently it's just suddenly she's got a a different opinion about the fun in the workplace than she did two scenes ago and that's yeah slightly jarring it does jar giving it the benefit of the doubt as it is earlier on in this you know talking about the beginning of this i think what it's trying to do is show that she wasn't not isn't really aware mm-hmm. of why she feels angry mm-hmm. she just knows that she feels frustrated and irritated by david having being so popular and being loved by everyone yeah. and being the serious person she thinks it's about wanting him to be more serious when actually it's about her giving her permission to be more fun right and let her yeah. guard down yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah, think yeah. that's what either was intended in the writing or would have been a more interesting way to play it and direct it but they haven't executed it yeah but that's where i w- kept wanting it to go right right right. because right. that's a more interesting storyline yeah. for me right yeah um not realizing why why you think a certain way you're feeling a certain way and then you go to therapy and you come back and go oh it's because of my dad like this is yeah. this is maddie going oh it's because it's because i don't i'm not giving myself permission to actually enjoy my life yeah, yeah, yeah. um 
and maybe I need to do that. You know, maybe I haven't really recovered from that fall from from grace, as yeah. it were. That makes sense. But anyway, they didn't do that, or they no. didn't spend much time on it, no. certainly, because it's not clear, as you say, quite yeah. rightly. Um, and it jars, and there's you know her telling loads of jokes, and then there's a classic moment where she picks up the phone uh, to Agnes, mm-hmm. and Agnes says. Uh, as a woman, a, a woman's walked in and she goes, ha ha ha, yeah, very funny. Mm. And then of course she calls back again. Goes, no, there actually is. There actually is. And of course it is um, it's Lady Graydon. She's not Lady. Lady Graydon. Lady Jane Graydon. <laughs> Lady Jane um, Graydon. Lady <laughs> Jaden. Yeah. Lady Grey. <laughs> yeah, Lady Jaden Smith. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> That's not a D or a queen. No. Um... <laughs> And uh, she comes in and says um, that uh, he's that that there's been another kidnapping yeah. of him, um, and that, that obviously that uh, the kidnappers wanted more and wanted to try again. So, so he's been kidnapped again. Of course, she doesn't realise that the first time he was kidnapped him falsely himself. He kidnapped yeah. himself and, and it was a hoax and faked it all. Yeah, um, and so. Um, now Maddie and David think, okay, he must have really been kidnapped by the people he was worried about being kidnapped for the first time. By the yeah. people we met at the beginning of the episode. Um, so she says, you know, I managed to stop off the bank at the bank on the way here. I yeah. was like, did you? Mm-hmm. But she has a load of cash with her, which is like $20,000 or something. Yeah. It's like fills up an A4 jiffy yeah. envelope, jiffy yeah. bag. Um, and then... Anyway, Bruce Willis is late to the office. With cash, yeah. I said, do you remember cash? Remember cash? Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's weird, isn't it? I Mm. don't think we're ever really going to go back to cash in the same way ever again. I, um, was in Sainsbury's of the day, and, uh, I, uh, went out specifically to get one quite small thing, I think, so I just picked up a couple of pound coins Mm. in a little money jar that I've got. Uh, I like to show off. And I realised I think it's the first time I've paid with with money in like a year. I can't remember the last time I used coins, <laughs> physical money, to pay for anything. Well, yeah, of course, you know it's uh, it's quite unhygienic in many ways to use La- money. Well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But last year, I, and I think this was probably financial year, so pre-pandemic, pre-April nineteen to twenty, was the first time that um, ever that more than 50% of the population of the UK we pay using card oh, rather wow. than cash Very interesting. on everything yeah wow yeah yeah. Um, so people sometimes I work at a market for those of you who aren't aware um, I do some shifts uh, for my friend's business at a lovely open air market which is really great because it gives uh, people a lot of the opportunity to be out um, in the open buying their fresh locally sourced produce and all the rest of it in Crystal Palace check it out however some people do get very annoyed that we only take card payments at the mm. moment because, of course, it's more hygienic and much more favourable for the council, etc., um, etc. Et Not to mention much more convenient for me. I don't have to worry about a float. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but some people do get annoyed. They say, oh, you know, if we keep using our cards, they'll be able to trace everything, uh, the digital trail. Um, these people are always a little bit older. And I, I see their point, mm. but I am of a generation where that's always been the case and it's they've they've that's got it. us. Like, yeah. do you have a mobile phone? They've got you. Yeah. Have you used Google? They've got you. Yeah. Like, their social media? They've got you. It's not really going to make any difference now. But I no. do get the sentiment that people want to be able to spend some money unaccountable. Normally, those people are criminals. Yeah. But uh, I'm not saying that 
half my customers uh, are criminals. Oh. But it could be. You just lost your job. It was nice though, wasn't it, for a while? It was nice for I needed lasted. a break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Talk myself out of it. Yeah. So they um, uh, read the ransom letter and, it, and they have seven minutes mm-hmm. to deliver the money uh, to the, the real kidnappers this time mm-hmm. um, or they're going to kill. Uh, What's he called? I was just saying Kay Clark. Davis. Clark. I was like, that's, that's the okay. wire. Thinking about the wire. Thinking about the wire. Yeah, Clark Graydon. Um, I was thinking about this. If Clark Everything Cable. I know about police overtime payments is from the wire. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anyone does moonlighting. Because it seems very easy just to get overtime. Well, does it? I mean, it... Okay, not in, in series four or five. Yeah. But in series one, two, and three. That's, yeah, that's, that's making, making just, yeah, bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, anyway... Uh, moving away from the wire for for a little bit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They have seven minutes and Bruce Willis has been late to the office. So they get in the car and they do the most ridiculous high-speed chase in the world. He shouts out the window a bit of road rage uh, in very kind of New York fashion and then apologises to Maddie for shouting. Um, He says, oh, sorry about that. And she goes, no, it's all right. I think I quite like it. I'm like, oh, hello. Okay. Bit Bit of more flirting back. And then she says again, I miss the old David, this is great. Yeah. And then they and they start talking at the same time. Yeah. For, which is <laughs> a minute. Yeah. And you can't hear what either of them say. Because they're both speaking at the same volume. So is that on the way or the way back? I can't remember. Anyway, either, either way, um, yeah, it's kind of a really skillful, quite skillful, quite pointless thing. I yeah. thought it was gonna be a point to it. No, it wasn't. Yeah, no. It's just to show that these actors can execute this really well-timed dialogue yeah fair enough um so anyway they get to where they they need to be yeah um he says right down the window and then maddie throws the money out of the window doesn't she uh yes he throws the yellow bag with the cash in it yeah out of the window which is now it was it was big then it got small when bruce willis put it in his pocket mm-hmm. and then now it's big again that yeah. annoyed me yeah um and and also there's another weird continuity thing with maddie's necklace which is kind of yeah. jarring it keeps moving yeah, position i saw that i saw um, that um and there was something with the window as well the car window that i spotted it was down there. and up and then down, down and up again. yeah it's yeah, just a bit weird. of a lazy episode yeah it's a bit like this like yeah, a podcast yeah. episode like yeah. we you know we just... i mean our continuity's been spot on in this episode just, okay fair enough yeah i mean our continuity's been spot on in this episode <laughs> um <laughs> the content you have to worry about very good so they get there and Maddie says, how long have we got? And they're screeching around the corner and it's a weird car chase. It's kind of been sped up as well mm. in the footage. So it looks a little bit like a Charlie Chaplin movie or yep. anyone knows Benny Hill. It looks like a Benny <laughs> Hill routine. <laughs> yeah, they don't play that music. But if they did, it wouldn't make sense with the almost stop animation like yeah. sequence of this chase. It was playing in my mind. The music in my mind was, it? The was music the in Benny mind. Hill theme Oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, at that moment. And yeah, they... Um, uh, Eventually, the, this van stops. They get out and it's uh, 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 run to the van and the van blows up. Yeah. And they think, oh my God, that's it. He's dead. Clark's dead. They Clark's killed Clark. Um, Maddie's very upset by it. And they're on the way back in the car. You're right. This this is when they talk. This is the where they talk apologies. at the same time. And then she um, says something as they're talking at the same time about seeing bits of, of body flying everywhere. And that's then he suddenly stops talking, Bruce Willis, and says, "Wait, sorry, what did you say?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "I didn't see anybody." And then they realise that if 
there'd been anyone in there, then you would have seen a body explode because they were that close to it. And yeah. where's that body going to go? So um, they threw, and knowing that he's done it before, he's got form, they think he's done it again. He's, he's done it again. He's kidnapping again. So they run and phone up uh, Milady Graydon. Sorry, in between this, that's not that's not quite that's not quite the chain of events because there is a bit uh, immediately after the van blows up, they go and tell Graydon, and she says, "Get out, get out, get out." They tell her that he's died. Yeah, and then they're on the drive back and realize this. So yeah, so they phone her up. You're right. Yeah, she says, um, "I'd like you to leave now." Yes, um, yeah. I'm very upset by this news. Yeah. yeah. Then they're on their way back. She they stops on a pain phone says, yeah. says, we're coming over, we've in. worked it out. Yeah, and she says, how can you be sure? And that's when they let her in on what happened the first time and what they did and everything. And then they come to the house and she's got a gun and she's standing on the stairwell with a gun pointing at them. And she explains that the uh, that the second kidnapping was was her. So, so I just want to yeah. kind of unpack this because this is quite convoluted, okay? Yeah. So at no point have the guys at the beginning uh, that roughed him up been involved in a kidnapping no she thought the first kidnapping was legitimate Mm -hmm. and decided to frame a second kidnapping in order to to get her stepson out of the way because she's an evil stepmom yeah he orchestrated the first kidnapping unbeknownst to her unbeknownst to her and then got kidnapped fake kidnapped by his stepmom. Yeah. The second one. So yeah. there's never been a real kidnapping. No. No. Correct. Yeah. 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 So and she says, um, oh, I'd have got away for it. I, I would have got away with it as well, uh, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. If it if it wasn't <laughs> Yeah, I mean like we're we're using the Scooby Doo yeah. uh, uh reveal right at the end. She ripped off Alderman's mask and it was the man from the old town fair. But I really exist I really expected that to happen because it's the worst written thing Glenn Gordon Karen's ever had any involvement yeah. in. Yeah. It, like suddenly everyone forgets that you could actually write quite well and yeah. they just kind of phone in this kind of thing and and your woman does very well with it um uh, lady lady graydon uh because she's a fine seasoned actress but what <laughs> she's not called lady graydon what's her name i felt like you forgot then oh yeah i did she's not, she's not a lady. lady it was you that said she was i've been talking lady. about i'm reading a lot of lord and ladies at the moment mm. i'm doing an audio book set in uh, georgian england and everyone is lord and lady something or well, they would be so well, actually they would that's why there's a lot of poor people then as well yeah but they don't get get written about about. no it's rich washed Mm -hmm. classism Uh, you get everything in this podcast you do so let's call her Lady Graydon she um, I like that also Lady Grey Lady Grey's here yeah you know Um, and Jane Grey or Jane Smith Lady Day Lady Day yeah Yeah. very nice yeah Um, so Lady Day is very good, despite this terrible monologue. She kind of explains that it was her, and I would have got away with it. She goes to uh, shoot Bruce Willis, uh, Maddie. Sure, speak clear. She says she would have got away with it if the first kidnapping, if if she hadn't, if she'd known about the first kidnapping wasn't real, then she would have changed her plans. That's what she's yeah. saying. She knew that the only way that would work is if they had thought the first one was legitimate so they yeah. knew so so they're now aware that he's alive because as long as they knew the first one was legitimate they'd have no reason to believe 
that, that the he would have faked his death. Yeah. yeah, the second one wasn't. So that's what she's saying. Now, what I'm c- confused about is what is what has actually happened to him because that's not explained whether he yeah. has died or not because they talk about the fact that he couldn't have been in there because there was no body that blew up. So they, so we, you've told the audience that he didn't die in the van. Yeah. But now you said that the, the stepmom was orchestrated it all and she's kind of talking like he is dead. So I'm like, what? Hmm. When, at which point did he die? Is he dead? What's happened here? Did he manage to not be in the van when it exploded? And she thinks he that she's murdered him and so has confessed to it to the two police people to, to, to Maddie and Bruce. But actually he's got away with it. Yeah. I think that could be it. Know. But it, again, I it's not know. properly explained. It's not properly explained. And also, I'm not entirely convinced she needed to confess to that Absolutely murder. anything. Right? I was trying and to catch it. It wasn't really up. a confession. <laughs> Where she explained anything, no. all she did, and you did very well there, but all she said was, oh, well, if I'd known more information, I might have done things yeah. differently. You go, yeah, well, that's what life is, isn't it? Yeah. That's just if I if I knew yeah. what was going to happen in the and future, she, then I might have done she differently in the past. she was immediately showing all her cards because she was stood there ready with the gun before they got to the house. Yes. So like, she's already made, before she even knows what they're thinking... She's decided that she's going to... Kill two kill people. Two more people. After, yeah, after she thinks she's already killed her son. And might yeah. have done, but we don't know. <laughs> Neither does she. <laughs> but it, I said to you, it felt like there was a paragraph missing yeah. in that scene. Yeah. And yeah. they just accidentally just fell down the back of a sofa in yeah. LA somewhere. It's, it's, yeah, it's, and they forgot about it. It's very odd. It's not tied up at all. So then this way. elderly woman decides that she's going to kill... Uh, Bruce, so she gets the gun out, pulls it on David, fires a shot, Mm. he falls to the ground, uh, struggles, gets over to her, and then just as he looks like he's about to kind of pass out and die, he grabs the gun. And it's all been a ruse, which is amazing considering they show pretty close up that there was no way that she didn't hit him in the stomach. Because they show the direction the gun is pointed in, how close she is to him and where his stomach is, and that went into his stomach. So it's pretty amazing. No, you're thinking he he faked being shot. Actually, he was faking uh, being made out of material skin and bone. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was faking that, so the bullet would have hit him had he been human. Had he been human. Because he's a hologram. He's a hologram. The bullet went right through his bone. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And then he gets up and says, ha, see, worked in fifth grade. No reason it wouldn't work now. Right. Like, right. What? what did? What did? Right. I'm glad you what did as well. Yeah. What, what, what worked in fifth grade? Because, you know, when you're in fifth grade. And you shoot each other. Yeah, you know, we went to different schools, right? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd have a gun. One of them always, yeah. one, someone would always have a gun. And they get the girl, you know, middle class England kind of stuff. They get the gun out and then they'd shoot you. And then you'd pretend... I mean... That you'd been hit in order to get the gun back, but it was I mean, always you'd play dead. This would be this would be more ridiculous had we not just watched five seasons of The Wire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in in which case, actually, happen. okay, that could happen. It's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. good point. But South, you know, Baltimore's not the same as as, as Middle England, I'm afraid. 
Well, sometimes Baltimore is the same as LA. Or LA, um, yeah, no, it yeah. is, but but yeah. certainly not. Um, I don't know. I don't know what what he was talking about. I think he was talking about when someone's hitting you, you play dead. Yeah. And then they stop hitting you, think, and then you can get a punch in. Maybe yeah. that's what it was. Um, but I don't know. It wasn't really explained, like no. like the plot of the episode. Yeah. Um, and then that's it. They and go that, back yeah. to the office. Yeah, go back to the office. Danny Moore... Bruce Willis is umming and ahhing about having to fire these people because um, he he realizes he lost the bet because there's a bit um, where, where he, he celebrates. Very, yeah, he celebrates. Um, sings uh, money by the Beatles. Sings money by the Beatles. And, and another weird moment. This is a, this is a good point actually. Yeah. Right. Um, so they're on the way to to Lady Grey's house. Yeah. And he he sings the like too far too much of money, but yeah, it goes on for like a minute and a half. Yeah. And she says, um, "Oh, you you um you're dancing around and and smiling like Ricky Nelson." Ricky Nelson, yeah. And he says, "Ricky Nelson, that guy's white." Gets in the car and drive. I was like, "Right, so are you calling out the fact that when you lark around and sing, you kind of put on the voice of uh, of an African American?" kind of sing a songwriter like yeah like, are you yeah is that what so, the gag is yeah I, are you calling out your black appropriation maybe it's hard to know isn't it's it it's hard to know it's hard to know um but if it isn't then i don't yeah. know what it is no i don't know i don't know it's a bit clumsy a bit ham-fisted it's a bit clumsy a bit 80s a bit 1985 yeah so i just yeah I let it go let it go um, but they get back to the office, yeah, and you're right, he's umming and ahhing about having to fire these two employees. These two, employees. two employees that we, luckily, have absolutely no attachment <laughs> to, because we've never seen them before. They're uh, just extras. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean, caveat that with, we have not seen the series canonically, so they might be better known if you... If they are better known, then why don't they have a line of dialogue in this episode, the one where we think they might get fired? Excellent point. Excellent point. I just wanted to carry that that in case we got people on Twitter going, oh, no, those two are really great. They're in a million episodes. You haven't seen any of them. Yeah, we might do. We might do, but at the same time, that doesn't excuse the fact that they would then be horrendously underwritten in this episode, if that were the case. So it's not your get-out-of-free, you know, Get out of jail free card. Yeah. Glenn Gordon, Karen. Yeah, that's fair. Glenn um, Gordon. So yeah, um, and and Agnes kind of pops in and mm-hmm. says, "Oh, Maddie was asking for you," and he says, uh, "David says go and go and tell them I'm just sharpening my axe." Yeah. Uh, and so he goes out and starts very clumsily trying to tell the two people, the two blokes that have been uh, that Maddie said have got to go. Uh, uh, and trying to make it so it's like their choice because yeah. he's like talking about oh do you ever think about ripping your tie off and just leaving this office mm-hmm. you know what do you think about the phrase uh, uh wake up and smell the roses and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff um and then he's about to explain what he's on about and yeah. then maddie comes in and cuts him off and says what he's trying to say is we've got you two parking spaces near the elevator and he sort of looks a bit confused rightly um, so rightly so yeah and and then they go and have a talk in Maddie's office, and she's like, "Oh, I, I really, I just thought I'd be nice, and I missed the old David and all this stuff." And that's when I was like, going back to what you said earlier. Oh, okay, it absolutely had nothing to do with the necessity of of downsizing. It was, it was, yeah, to prove a point to him that you were gonna, you were gonna destroy two people's lives that work for you. That's the problem, right? <laughs> it's a, it's a, 
so get back at David. You're financially in trouble, which justifies your need to sack two employees who up until this point have been very loyal. Mm-hmm. You then say, it, we're in such financial trouble that we need you to sack these employees. Um, I'll bet you, uh, and in fact, we're in such financial trouble, I'll put £3,000 on it. So yeah. I'm like, well, that's not that in much financial no, trouble. No, then no. they win a £50,000 fee bonus yeah. on top of the £5,000 or £45,000 that we're getting. So it makes it up to 50, 50 grand in total. That they don't lose. They've got that money, even though I don't know why, because they shouldn't have that money if they just told the woman that they've mm. faked, they lied about getting that money. Yeah. And then presumably this woman's been arrested and all that is going to be held to account like that's fraudulent money yeah even if they were the good guys in comparison they still lied to get that money like you've got to risk your license as a private investigator there that's not addressed they then go she then says oh no actually i don't want you to fire anyone in fact i've given them two new parking spaces nearer the lift which costs money so when she says we're in financial difficulty at the beginning of the episode it's my conclusion that she has absolute full of shit yeah yeah that's not true it can't be true based on the way in which you've handled this whole charade yeah or charade yeah um very upset it It made me lose credibility in maddie's character and upset me quite a little bit um Uh, but yeah that's the end of the episode and i would say uh uh well done, Sylvan. Because I think you, you have, found one. You found one that we're, we're not that fussed about. Um, it would having... still be if it was a Jonathan Creek. Oh, it would be it would up be... there with my top fives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's still um, really witty, fast-paced writing, lovely chemistry. Um, well, still shot. element of class to it. Um, and and that's just yeah. I don't think. You're ever going to kind of lose that with this series. It's just in terms of content and plot-wise, plot holes everywhere, um, and some character progressions that didn't quite make sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think you were kind of right at the beginning when you said kind of it's quite middle of the road. Um, yeah, yeah. There you are. Um, I don't. I don't really have anything else to say about no. this. Um, no. Um, but but yeah. Uh, uh, Sylvan, do 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 let us know if there's any uh, other ones that we could look at that's maybe again more more kind of similar to the to the issues that we see in Creek. Um, yeah, would be much yeah very interested in that. Likewise, anyone else listening, if you think mm. you've got a good contender for a Creek series, let us know. Get us in mm. it on the on the request, and and we'll have a look at it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next week, of course, we are coming to you with our much anticipated by me podcast about the greatest albums of 2004 the yeah time. we've got uh, right. joshua joining joshua, us again joshua benfield esquire i think there's going to be rouse on this I one and i'm not preparing well blood enough for the albums because i'm more thinking about conflict resolution mm-hmm. <laughs> blood is running in rivers did you mm-hmm. say well we're not going to do that well yeah it's all right josh is going to be on zoom yeah um but you and i 
Well, there'll be one left, won't there? We might have a fight to the death, yeah, why not? But I don't know, probably, I think there are so many similar albums. Yeah, in the meantime, let us know. Get us get in touch with Twitter, let us know what your favourite albums are as well. Might be some things that we haven't taken a look at or paid as much attention to. I was gonna, I was just about to say, I don't do my research, it's ridiculous how many good albums are released that year. I was like, oh, that's why, that's why... That's why we're doing it. James specifically chosen this. It's not Because it's like the best year ever for albums. (laughs) Debut albums especially. I mean, it's insane, Nima. Debut albums by bands beginning with K is insane for 2004. Kasabian. Kasabian, Keen, Kaiser Chiefs, Killers. Like it's, it's too many Ks, it isn't it? Is, yeah. Kooks. Yeah. Kooks. Like it, 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 it's, and like they're all first albums and they all came out like, yeah. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Amazing. Yeah. Crazer light. Um, <laughs> Come on now, naughtiness. And uh, that will be coming to you, of course, uh, this time next week i don't want to say this time as if you're all listening to it at the same time yeah yeah a week on uh monday um so in the meantime you know how to get hold of us if you want to tell us um how awful this episode's been and why we spent (laughs) so much time talking about the millennium bug and the wire and the wire and talkie and talkie you can get in touch with us on twitter at macabre podcaster you can find us on Facebook, fb.me forward slash podcastermacabra. You can find us via email, podcastermacabra at gmail.com. And of course, do like, share, subscribe, and listen to this podcast to our Jonathan Creek series on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts from. In the meantime, I have been Callum Hughes. I have been David Shopland. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Someone by now.